Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. For Pettis, flag down, doesn't matter, touchdown Washington. He keeps it here, Tate finds a seam, still on his feet. Touchdown Tate, he detonates. Love has it, Love finally has a crease for the first time. Love stays on his feet, Bryce Love pushing, driving, touchdown. And now, move the sticks. With Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks podcast presented by Castro Ledge. DJ Bucky here live from the, uh, well, I guess it's live for us. Yeah, it is live. It's It's live. live. It's live for us. But it's alive in this room. We're here at the Pac-12 Media Day. How you doing, Buck? I'm good. I'm good. This is an exciting time. It's an exciting time of year to be able to talk to the coaches and some of the notable players that we'll continue to talk about all season. Yeah, going to get a chance to uh, play for you some of the conversations we've had here. A real fascinating conversation with uh, Mike Leach, head coach of Washington State. We'll lead off with that one. we got uh, several other interviews. I think you'll enjoy here from Pac-12 Media Day. But before we get to the college game, Buck, some some big news came out on the NFL front, of course, right after we finished taping a podcast, as is always the case. Uh, You have a big contract get signed here. Todd Gurley, a lot of people thought maybe it's Aaron Donald that's next in line, but it's actually Todd Gurley who gets the uh, the big payday there for the Los Angeles Rams, much to the delight, I would say, of Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson should be excited because I think Ty Gurley sets the bar for what I call these hybrid running backs, these big backs that are RB1s and wide receiver twos. Their ability to make plays, um, not only as runners but as receivers, kind of changes the game. And now Ty Gurley's deal has changed their pay scale. So when you're Le'Veon Bell who's playing on a franchise tag of $14.5 million, you have David Johnson who is in the last year of his deal, you now know where the bar has been raised. $15 million annually. You talk about four years, $60 million extension, $45 million in guaranteed. That puts you right at $15 million per year. Yeah, if you're a running back that has a special set of skills, that is now the new kind of market for where those guys get paid. Remember forever we would talk about how you designate these guys and with defense, you know, outside linebackers, defensive ends, and they have to go back through and count the plays where they had their hand on the ground because yep. they want to be paid as defensive ends and not yes. outside linebackers. It feels like now offensively, if you're an agent of one of these guys, you say, look, this is a weapon. 
This is not a running back. Elite offensive weapon. Elite offensive weapon. That's kind of what you have to go with because you're not getting paid as somebody that carries the football. You're getting carried as somebody that makes plays in the passing game as well as the running game. And I think that's what we saw there with Todd Gurley. I don't don't really set the market for running backs. I think he set the market for, like you said, those combination hybrid players. Yeah, and I I think when when we talk about those combination hybrid players, I think there are a couple things that they have to be able to do. I think they have to be big enough to be every-down players, meaning they're three-down backs who have the size, physicality, and toughness to be grinders, but they also have the ability to be special players in the passing game. Ty Gurley is different than Levy and Bell in terms of Ty Gurley catches most of his balls right out the backfield. Lev Bell is a guy that is displaced, plays outside. Uh, I've been told in Pittsburgh he meets in the wide receiver meeting room sometimes. He has to know X, H, and F and all those different positions. So, there are a lot of different things that you have to be able to do, but I think for a handful of guys, they will be able to fall into that Todd Gurley category as a big hybrid. No, it's it's a really interesting point, and I think the, we'll see that number now get shopped with all these other deals as they come up here, Buck. Uh, one thing, though, I want to get to before we get to these uh, these interviews here at the media day, the Aaron Donald stuff, I, I don't know why this bothers me so much, but there's so many people that are crushing the Rams mm-hmm. for saying, why do, well, Aaron Donald, here's the last one left. They put all these these little uh, gifs yep. out there with him looking around, and he's the last one in the room, and why aren't they taking care of him? He's the best player on their team, you know, the best defensive player in the league, and the, here the Rams just they are screwing him over and not paying him. I'm sitting here going, we have no idea what they're asking for. None. So no. there has to be a mark somewhere. It's easy for us all to spend somebody else's money. It's another thing to say, you've got to juggle a salary cap. I don't know. Is he asking for $40 million a year? Well, no, I don't know what he's asking for. I have no well, idea see, what he's asking for. Well, here's what I would say. The, the thing is that maybe to hold up in the Aaron Donald deal. Just up the road in Oakland is another guy who is a oh, defensive player of the year, Khalil Mack. Maybe, just maybe, Aaron Donald is waiting for Khalil Mack to get his deal done. So he can make sure that he gets a couple more coins yeah. over Khalil Mack, and so. But there's so I, much we don't know. Like I just don't know how you go hard on a team for not getting it done when we don't know what's going on. Right, and they've said multiple times we want him to be here. We're going to reward him. We've saved money for him to get paid. It's just a matter of waiting for the deal to get done. I think they have the ability to do it, and I think if you really look at the two deals that they recently did, Brandon Cooks and Todd Gurley signed extensions yeah there's not a lot of new money necessarily in those deals those deals kind of take place like for Todd Gurley in two years that's when it kind of kicks in so they have them for the next six years same thing for Brandon but there's guarantees yeah so they got the guarantees in there they got that so there's ways to creatively manipulate the salary cap to leave enough money for Aaron Donald and also think about this all the new guys that they're talking about I won't even call it the dream team because it's kind of yeah, tied to but you. But, yeah, but Eagles. when you have Marcus Peters, you Short have term. two, two years left. Out, they yeah. may not even re-sign him. Yeah. Aqib Tlaib, one-year term. Sue. And Dominican Sue, one-year term. All that money is right now. They can wipe those from the books next year and have a clean slate when it comes to Aaron Donald. I think people have to really understand what patient. they're doing and be patient. And as long as your rookie quarterback, your quarterback is playing on his rookie deal, you can do whatever you want to mm-hmm. with the money. And I think they're trying to go all in as long as golf is on his rookie deal because once you pay him, the composition of your team has to change. 
No question. And I, I, I think some people assume that it's a line that forms. There's a contract line, and all of a sudden you put your most important person at the, at the front of the contract line, and you have no discussions with anybody else who might be in need of a new contract until that one gets done. That's not how it works. You've got conversations going on with multiple agents, with multiple players, and you just kind of you, you put the bait on the hook, and these other players took, took it. They took the bait and wanted to get Absolutely. a deal done, so they got done. It doesn't mean they're not efforting or trying to get something done with Aaron Donald. And I, I am optimistic that eventually they'll work this thing out. And, and you might hit on something. Maybe they are just waiting to see what happens. Up oh, there. I, and, I think, and I think it might not be the Rams. It might be Aaron Donald and his representatives just waiting to see what the landscape kind of plays out because the only other big fish that's out there is Khalil Mack. They don't play the same position, but they're both regarded as pass rushers. So you want to be paid like the top pass rusher in football. You want to make sure that you understand where the market is before you agree to something. You don't want to undersell it. I'm sure he's okay with, with missing a little training camp, too. I don't think oh, that's going to bother yeah. him. I don't he think that bothered him last him year either. Uh, all right. Well, there you go. There's a little NFL news for you. A lot of camps are opened up. Um, looking forward to uh, seeing all these young guys get on the field. We saw Josh Allen just signed a few minutes ago, so he's going to be in camp there with Buffalo. I'm sure the rest of these uh, players that have yet to sign these rookie deals, that's coming shortly. Get a chance to see all these guys out there. So uh, looking forward to that. Uh, in the meantime, though, we've got a little college football for you. A little excitement in this room, Buck. Get kind of little buzz. Get pumped up for this college football season, and we're going to give you guys a little taste here of what we had at Pac-12 Media Day. Starting right here with our conversation with Washington State head coach and one of the best personalities in the country, Mike Leach. We had a great conversation with Coach last year, talking about what you look for in quarterbacks when you're when you're recruiting. Coach, I'd love to hit you and kind of take that to the next level now from a scouting standpoint. How, what about the development? So, a quarterback gets on campus with you. Is there a standard development plan you have for everybody, or is it more catered individually? Uh, I'd say both. You know, I mean, you're always looking for what the guy needs or what you know what'll elevate him the best. And sometimes somebody's got a weakness or something, so you you might really focus on that. But overall, I think yeah, you know, first of all, you get the delivery down as good as you can. And I'm not one of those guys that you know it's like you know, people that start messing with somebody swinging baseball or their batting stance, and pretty soon you take a guy that's pretty good and make him awful. <laughs> um, but, no, uh, there's a few things I, I want. You know, I want the ball up, and I want uh, it to come off the hand quick, and, I, uh, you know, I don't want uh, uh, any of that delayed reaction stuff, and then you, you try to get the feet right, but and, and typically problems are footwork. So you start out emphasizing that right away. Um, and footwork's generally the most important thing, like if you have errant balls. And then, um, so you get that. Then after that, in in our case, really it's the film. So then you start working on the film. And as you go through day after day, I mean, the scheme's going to kind of take care of itself, but um, you want them to see things quickly. I mean, we're constantly, and it's almost redundant. If there was an outsider, it would probably drive them crazy. You know, I mean, they, you come in, you watch the film, and and, and then, you, you know, you and the quarterback are kind of finishing each other's sentences. It's like, okay, what would you see here? Uh, well, I saw this. Okay, why would you throw it here? It might be a great play. might be a great – but you just want to know why. What went through your head? So you're trying to organize the mental process of how you're arriving at what you're arriving at making sure that you're on the same page and it matches the scheme. And then pretty early, and I mean real early um, – you know, we'll talk about checks. What would you have checked here? Or, or, or why'd you stay with this play? Okay, why did you get out of this play? So that they're constantly looking at kind of the leverage and the numbers uh, so they can react to stuff. And then, 
Um, we don't, you know, we're not a group that scripts like when we go against a defense. I mean, if we're not getting a look or something, we might, or if we need a look. But it's not like, okay, we have to know what plays you're blitzing on when you blitz. I mean, we want to learn it from our guys rather than out in the streets, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and so react to it. We want our offense constantly developing the ability to react to just it. Just to follow that real quick. So. The word that stood, that stood out to me there was just quickness. You talk about kind of having a quick mind. You talk about having a quick delivery and then the footwork, the quick feet. So is that really an emphasis? Even when you're going through the recruiting process, you're wanting to figure out, can a guy operate quickly? Yeah, can he Can he make, uh, you know, does he make uh, good, good, solid, quick decisions? And, yeah, and you want the whole unit to be quick, so it kind of relies on everybody. But uh, the quarterback uh, leads that too. You know, and, and thinking about your, your scheme, uh, a lot of times we hear coaches talk about you find out what your quarterback does really well, you emphasize those things and do it over and over again. Are you in that school of thought where you try and figure out what your quarterback can do really well, then you kind of tweak your system to fit his game? A little bit. Um, like there will be plays. I've had, I've had plays that have been in our package for a long time, and, you know, you'll have this quarterback say, you won't run it at all. Uh I won't name any names. But I, 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 had, I had a couple quarterbacks with weak arms and, um, you know, some deep out stuff. All of a sudden we quit running that. <laughs> and then and then uh, way back, you know, you got a guy like uh, Tim Couch with a real strong arm oh, yeah. or B.J. Simmons had a real strong arm. Now you throw a lot, you know. And then, um, oh, I, I've had a couple guys with just incredible touch. Um you know, where, where the more air they have on the ball, the better. So you try to get them into fades and corners where they can just put, you know, these big drooping, uh, and they I mean, just drop it right uh, where they want to. You try to do that. And then, um, but, uh, yeah, and it kind of reveals itself because as you're checking, as you put it on them to check, you know, pretty quick, it's like, all right, what are they checking to? Mm-hmm. And then you're saying, and, and I might prefer this play over that play, but you're saying, um, you're saying, well, you know, screw it. I mean, this guy keeps checking to this, and 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 they'll, and they'll keep doing it anyway. And then the other thing, if you get on them too much, it's like, you know, it's like telling your daughter you hate her boyfriend. I mean, yeah, they, didn't they love him that much more? Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. Well, then oh, then they're always then they're going to check that play just a couple extra times just to let you know. So. So, I mean, the better thought is to embrace that play mm-hmm. and uh, feed him situations where uh, he can get into it and it's a good idea. And you say, you know that one play, why didn't you Why didn't you run that here, you know? <laughs> and then, um, and uh, you know, the backside of that, that one play you like? Yeah, if you ran that in the backside, boy, that would have been awesome, <laughs> you know. And then, uh, yeah, so, uh, but there is a certain matter, uh, uh, amount of that because with them going quick, they'll get up there, they'll get in a rhythm and, there's just stuff that they like, you know. How do you go faster? I mean, you guys are already go so fast, but you're always trying to improve in every area. I would imagine you're still trying to figure out methods and ways you can even go faster. You know, we're not as fast as some. We've always had that reputation because we never changed. Mm-hmm. Like back when nobody was fast, um, we were always uh, uh, quick but not hurrying, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like the Buffalo Bills. If you remember Hagan, Jim you played Kelly. That. Buck, yep. Bucky played there. Yeah. yeah, well, that was kind of our, our thing, you know, just, oh, okay. just uh, be – be a fed nobody's racing around but yes. just be a fed okay you know no huddle but you know everybody turns and looks oh yeah we're doing that oh yeah we're doing that. you know and and so so getting up there quick and 
and you know we can speed it up if you know if if it's like a two minute drill but uh then we discovered that our drives depending on honestly the offense or the quarterback are our touchdown drives, even if they're a long way, um, tend to average uh, somewhere around two minutes and twenty seconds. So yeah. you're already pretty you don't close, right? You have to speed up right that there. much, yes. and, and, and but you do, of course you do uh, have the ability to speed up if you want to. The most important thing to speed up is alignment. Get the linemen up there. The linemen already know where they're going to be. Get the linemen up there. I love that. Um, so it's funny because DJ brings up the K gun thing. I was surprised and amazed when I went up to Buffalo how simple the offense was. The offense was basically like a high school offense run with Hall of Fame players doing the stuff. So there's a trend, and I hear more coaches talk about keep it simple so your players can play fast. Do you believe in kind of keeping things simple so your guys can master it and know it and play at as fast as they can? Oh, yeah, no question. Anything that you do, like because you can put all the clever things on the board. And some of them will be outright brilliant things, providing – everybody's perfect and in a split second they're able to execute you know uh you know the the 15 important steps of running this particular pass route if you got 15 steps you better cut about 14 <laughs> of those off you know um because i mean what, wherever the point of attack is uh you're only as good as the slowest dumbest player mm-hmm. and um um you know i mean d- is the most important block by the backside receiver? Well, but probably not. If that guy's not totally on the same page, you're probably okay. But you know, if you're running it up the middle here, you're 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 centering your guard. I mean, they better there better not be any hesitation whatsoever. You know, and so um, yeah, it's only good as good as the uh, is the guy you know the worst guy you have at the point of attack and. And uh, anything you do that hesitates him uh, diminishes what you're trying to accomplish. Last question for me, Coach. When we're, when we're looking at NFL tape, a lot of times we use the phrase, we use the phrase, where's Waldo? So you're looking at NFL tape and you'll see, okay, they're going to find out who that weak point is on the defense, and they're going to isolate him repeatedly in space, whether it's in, in coverage or at the point of attack. They find that Waldo. When you're breaking down an opponent, is there is there anything similar to that where you're trying to say, okay, we're gonna this is the dude we're gonna go after here? Yeah, there's some of that, you know, like uh, there's some of that. We we tend to do it, uh, you know, more scheme wise, like as in these type of plays give them a bad time, and that's because of a Waldo or two <laughs> in the mix there. Um, you know, one thing in the NFL, and it would be uh, fun to do is, you know, they get they basically get the photographs or the faxes yeah. after each oh, yeah. play. Oh, yeah, you can literally circle the guy on that deal, you know. You can go up to the quarterback. You put a target on him. Hey, that guy. No, him right there. <laughs> there he nope. is right there. And then, and then, and then if the, the guy in the speaker in the headset, you'll say, remember that guy right there. No, the other one, you know. Um, so it's funny that you bring that up because everyone is studying somebody. Um, NFL guys are now, after years, kind of poo-pooing the college game. We're now finding more NFL teams still in plays from the collegiate level. As a college coach, do you look at anybody? Are there teams or coordinators or schemes that you look at to see if you can add to what you already do? Anybody that's kind of throwing the ball. But the fact is, and, and uh, well, some in the NFL flat out embrace it, but then um, – uh, you know, the NFL pretends, you know, that they haven't changed this, that, or the baloney. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, the NFL's changed a lot more than college has in the mm-hmm. last 10 years. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just ask the New England Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles how it works because, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, 
1,000 yards of offense in that Well, I've got, I've got film from Iowa Wesleyan College that looks eerily similar to the Philadelphia Eagles and the New England Patriots. And, um, and, and, and now they're filmed back when uh, they had different coaches in, of course, but um, uh, doesn't look anything like that Iowa Wesleyan film. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. Well, we've, we've used up all our time here, Coach. We thank you so much. It's a, one of our favorite visits of the year. I get a chance to, to talk shop with you. Wish you the best of luck in the season ahead. Well, I appreciate it. It's great to see you guys. We're joined by our good buddy here, Stanford head coach David Shaw. Coach, how you doing? I'm great. I'm great. I've been asking everybody that rolls through here, will you get a chance to get away from football at all? What's your what's your jam? Are we, are we a lake? Are we beach? Are we mountains? What, what are we doing so in our free you, time? You guys know I'm a Stanford nerd. That's 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 just who I am. <laughs> uh, I've become a history buff later in life here. So uh, my wife and I took the kids to Paris and London. Oh, oh nice. And, oh, and nice. So we took a bike trip around Paris, which is just it blows you away. And, and thankfully, we decided to come back because we almost stayed. <laughs> um, and in London, uh, to do the, the the Churchill War Rooms. Oh, uh, wow, if you've wow. seen Darkest Hour uh, and Dunkirk, and 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 to know that the history of World War II, etc., to go down there and see, uh, they had such a sense of history that once once Japan um, was out of the war, they left those rooms and sealed them because they knew what they did that was historic. So as wow. you watch the movie and you go back down, these are these are the actual rooms. You see the pinholes and all the maps where all they had all the deals and all the desks were the way that they were back then. It's just unbelievable. That's wow. phenomenal. Yeah, that's, yeah that that's, beats that's going. Little... That beats going water skiing in a lake somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nicely done there. Uh, we're going to get into uh, some some things about the team going forward here, but we're trying to piggyback on what we talked about last year. Last year we talked about what you look for when you're recruiting or evaluating quarterbacks. Kind of want to spin it forward this year and ask everybody about what you do once they get on campus in terms of developing the quarterback because. That's a huge aspect of this whole deal, not just being able to evaluate them, but get them on campus and develop them. Is there kind of a is there a formula you've had that you followed uh, going through the process of developing these guys individually, or does it change? So it's what we've gotten a lot of praise for and caught a lot of flack on. And when the people that want to give us flack say, why is your offense so hard? You know, always say freshmen can't come in and play. Why is your offense so hard? And I said, it's not that the offense is hard. It's that we're teaching guys that don't know football how to play football. Mm-hmm. We're teaching them how to solve the problems at the position as opposed to look to the sidelines and have me solve it for them. We want to teach these guys fronts and coverages and blitz schemes and combinations. And then at the same time, once they understand the defensive side, okay, how do we change the protection to pick up those blitzes and then take advantage of the holes that are left in the zone blitz schemes or handle or man-to-man routes versus zone routes and where your eyes should be. And That takes a long time for these guys to learn, in particular if they don't learn it in high school. Mm-hmm. If they're a spread team in high school, which God bless anybody that runs a spread offense, I don't have any issue with that at all. But for us, we, we don't. I want our guys to have run progressions. I want them to be able to read coverages. I want them to change plays. Uh, and now they feel like they, they can play the game. Now they're now it's them against the defensive coordinator, not just me against the defensive mm-hmm. coordinator. So we teach the guys how to play. So for us, we get a quarterback in. they got to learn the fronts, the defensive fronts. they got to learn uh, the, the, the blitz schemes and the possibilities. And now who are the viable blitzers? And if they do come, what do we do against them? And now how does that fit with coverage? So we're teaching these guys football so that they can be proficient at the position, and it's not just throwing it, it's, but it's seeing and anticipating, getting the ball out of your hands on time, and then being accurate and having a strong enough arm and all those things. Um, but we, we want to teach the guys the game before they have to play the game. Is that why it's so hard for a young guy to come in and play right away for you guys? Because you are putting so much on them when it comes to learning and understanding and 
the ownership that they have of their offense when they're really driving the offense. No question about it. No question about it. it beca- it's, it's, it's difficult early on, but by the time they leave, these guys have such a breadth of knowledge, and you ask all the guys that have interviewed our quarterbacks once they've left here at the Combine, et cetera, mm-hmm. I typically get a text message that, hey, just talk to your former quarterback. Oh, my gosh, you know, he knows this game so well. He's able to drop your entire offense and talk about blitz schemes and different plays and progressions, and that's what I feel a part of our responsibility is not just to have them go out there and be good, but to understand what what they're doing and why um, so they're getting the best chance to be successful at the next level because at the next level if you can't see the blitz coming you're not going to be around very long <laughs> <laughs> is that is that part of of like install though with them like do you have it mapped out like almost a day-to-day of hey we're gonna we're gonna you're gonna learn these fronts you're almost having to get your team that's going to be on the field ready to go while you're trying to develop these younger guys along but i mean is there is there a day-by-day game plan for them in terms of what they're studying and how they're growing so to a certain degree yes um as we start really it's the first about first four days of insulation for us um is just great for the quarterback for the young quarterback and then beyond that we keep the 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 rest of the team going but then what we started to do in the last few years is when we have a young quarterback the reps that they get in practice which we slot in that they still get their reps in practice during training camp but we keep them in that in that first four days of insulation during that incubator yeah Yeah. we're not going for far and beyond that we're trying to get them you need to learn your abcs before we start doing calculus right (laughs) so so we say keep them in that so they get comfortable and they feel good about what they're doing and then the next time we really get after them is back in the off season where we reinstall things and go back again from the very beginning so that they get comfortable and they build a base and then once we feel like they have a base then we can kind of add to them. And that's why K.J. Costello has been great. Well, K.J. is one of the few high school quarterbacks that has been redirecting protection since he was a freshman. You know, yes. he understands the schemes. He understands uh, how to pick up blitzes. So it, it, he was probably a little quicker than most guys coming in. And even as a true freshman, still a lot for him. But by the end of his freshman year, getting into spring, he had a really good understanding. And now this you continue to add building blocks to his, 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 his QB acumen. So that's always a, a difficult dance because there's always got to be a marriage between what you want to do as a coach and what the quarterback's comfortable with, <laughs> right? And, and there's always got to be a marriage there. And if, if there's ever anything in doubt, we go with what he's comfortable with over what we want to do as a scheme. And then once you get that, then you feel good about that. But then every week there's going to be those game plan plays that you want to make sure you get in. So you never want to overload them. You want to have an idea early on when he becomes a starter, especially if he's young, how much can he handle? Like what, what is the volume that he can handle more so than anybody else on the offense? What can he handle so that he can get us out of bad plays and into good plays and then make those plays work? Um, and Kevin Hogan's the best uh, progression for me because once he became a starter as a Richard freshman, um, you know, midway through the year, led us to a Rose Bowl without, without really ever going past day four of insulation. <laughs> like it was really, really simple. You know, we just let the guy go out there and play fast, and he was so competitive and so athletic, and, and we just let him play. The next year, we added a couple of layers without too much, and, and he would kind of bug us a little bit. Like, I want the Andrew Luck package. I'm like, dude, you're not ready for the <laughs> I'm just telling you, you're not ready for the Andrew Luck package. The Andrew you want Luck- to go to ludicrous speed. <laughs> yes, the Andrew Luck package was me saying, hey, go win the game for us and tell me how it goes. Right? <laughs> I said, you're not ready for that one yet. Uh, but, you know, year three – was almost that nexus year of like, gosh, there's so much and it's not quite working. That at the end of the year, he did so well and he came back for year five. And I was like, dude, you're, you got the Andrew Luck package. Like, yeah. you tell us what you feel, you tell us what you're comfortable with, and we can have these debates and conversations because you've played so much football now. Now we can throw the entire offense on you 
and just tell the guys to listen to you. Mm-hmm. Right, because you're going to get us in the right play at the right time. And his last year, that that Rose Bowl year, it it, it was just beautiful. And you give him a, a weapon like Christian McCaffrey, yeah, and, and it's helps. just fun. Yeah. And it's it's like watching a symphony come together. Um, but you have to gauge the quarterback for how much he can not just know, but go out and execute and do it within the 40 second time time constraint. How do you get better? Like how how do you go? Who are you looking at? Who are you studying? What are you working on? Um, this program has had tremendous success. We always talk about players and you know who are they watching, who are they studying, how they're going to get better. How about you individually? How do you get better? So there's a little phrase that somebody said a long time ago, which I truly believe in, and it's never get comfortable. You can't you can't be good if you're comfortable. You just can't be. You can, you'll never reach your potential. You'll never be as good as you can be if you're comfortable. So at the end of every year, what did we do well? What didn't we do well? And when you look at what you do well, you say, okay, we did that well. Can we do it again with the personnel that we have? Because mm. sometimes, well, we did that really, really well. Like when Christian left, like, okay, we did these things well, but he's yeah. the best I've ever seen doing this. <laughs> yeah. Like, we may not be able to do that again. So mm. to be able to say, we, do it, we did it really well, but we may have to step back off of that. So to be truly almost dispassionate about it and and very methodical to say what are we good at and what are we not good at and then looking at the guys coming back and really pushing ourselves to say okay can this guy improve and what does he need to prove on and be very specific with him so that he can grow and then back away from all that the other point you touched on is for us not a lot of colleges do what we do so it's hard to watch other colleges although we found a couple Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, a couple of college coaches to, to, to commune with, um, in particular, um, Carson Wentz's old staff. Oh, yeah. Oh, they do. You know, th- those guys are they phenomenal do, oh, football yeah. coaches. So yeah. we spend some couple of days with those guys. And, and besides that, for us, we're looking at NFL stuff, you know. So you go through, and I've studied all the Eagle stuff. I studied all of all of the Washington Redskins, which is from the, the Gruden family, which is which is so also great to see. Outside zone and, and all that stuff. Lo- love watching all that stuff and seeing what those guys do. and went through all the Rams uh, Rams film this year. Uh, so I, every year in Kansas City Chiefs, I pick about five or six teams for me personally to go through, cut out some ideas, run them by the staff. Uh, I tell the staff to go, go out too and find what they're looking for when we come back. And then we have to have that marriage again of, okay, what's too much? What do we need to strip down? What do we think is a great addition? You know, hey, I think I can see Bryce Love doing this. I think this would be great. Let's put this in. Let's see how this goes. So that com- constant combination of we can't just be stagnant and say, well, we were good last year. We'll be good this year because we've got a, guys, a lot of guys coming back. No, no, no. What can we do better? What can we do different? And a lot of times you'll go through all this stuff and say, you know what? We're not going to change anything because this is still the best thing that we can do. Mm-hmm. But at least you go through the process of making sure. Can we go? We can go in the weeds here with Coach. I don't want to run you too long here, but me and Bucky were just talking about this because we both talked to different coaches that have been successful at the collegiate level. And we were talking about like outside zone and, and different yes. concepts. And one of the things that I heard independently, and he heard, and we came together, said they said the exact same thing. They said you've got to have a quarterback. Five, I, I was told five times you got to yeah. have him keep it five times, coming six out to eight the, times running bootlegs, running boots. Just so that if you do that five to eight times in that vicinity, you're going to always hold that, that backside and he's going to have to account for it. It made a huge difference in their, in their run game. Are there any, any rules or principles like that where you kind of have a number, a checklist when you come into a game and say, we need to do this this many times? Not necessarily, but in the zone scheme, and you go back to Alex Gibbs, I mean, that was – That's who they had, that's who told him yeah, that. That's, that yeah. that's a mandate because if you don't, you won't make those big plays when the guy pulls back and that guy hangs, which you saw Jake Plummer all the way back making those huge plays down the field because mm-hmm. he kept the ball and that outside guy's like, what, is he, is he going to keep it? And he doesn't boot, then he comes back and he drops back and he throws a bomb. Yeah. So that's built in that. With us in more of a gap scheme world, it's built in more with a play action 
on top of the the bootlegs, et cetera, but run the ball, run the ball, and now pull it out. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's got a built in. So if you can be efficient running the ball and be physical running the ball, and you start to watch those safeties, if they start creeping up, that's when you try to go back over the top. I love it. I could, I could I love go all on, day. I could go on forever. You stay here all day. All right, hey, we won't take up any more of your time, Dave. We appreciate it so much. We wish you guys the best of luck. You got the revenge tour to start off the season. San Diego State, USC. Get a chance to get that bad taste out of your mouth right now. No question. I have to remind our guys that we don't have a two-game season. There are games actually <laughs> after that because they've looked so so much forward to those two games. We got ten more to play after that, guys. Uh, well, looking forward to watching it. Thank you so much for your time. Great to see you guys. All right, joined by Washington head coach Chris Peterson. Uh, coach, first of all, thanks for joining us. But uh, uh, what's the offseason been like for you here? You get a chance to, to get away at all? Yeah, we had we had a few weeks off here um, in July. And, uh, yeah, my favorite time of year. That's my favorite part of coaching is the vacation time. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a lake guy or a beach guy, a mountain Absolutely. guy? Absolutely. All those things. <laughs> it has something to do with water. If there's water, I'm going towards it You're in. for sure. I love it. That's cool, Coach. So, obviously, you guys have a, a big game coming up. I know you'll say they all are big. But when you go into and you have a marquee game, like a game against Auburn on the docket, how do you kind of sprinkle in the enthusiasm when you start talking about Auburn when you get into camp? Yeah. I mean, I don't really think I need to do that. <laughs> I mean, the, our guys aren't dumb. I mean, they know the schedule. They've seen tape. Um they know what they're up against. And so that's just not really our coaching style to be all about the other, the opponent anyways. It's always about us. And certainly when we're this far out before our first game, you know, how the training camp goes. And so we have so many things to get done in this training camp that we don't really need to talk about our opponent. This, You know, they know. They know what's, what's there. They know we're going to have to play our best football right out of game one, which is – really hard to do so all those things are already known it's just about okay so how do we get our get our fastball going as fast as we can but that are it doesn't matter who i mean our approach as coaches it doesn't change it's not like okay now we got to coach harder now we got to you know (laughs) i mean that's and i know everybody knows that but it's like these questions we keep getting like oh it's all well yeah are we supposed to try harder i mean (laughs) our guys already try really hard we coach you know with as much detail as we can i just think we stick to our script and our process one of the things that you know we've both been fans of yours for a long time going back to our scouting days and i I was reading a a leadership book this summer and one of the quotes in there actually thought about you because it said enthusiasm is common endurance is rare and I think about so many of these, you know, college programs, and you hear there's a lot of rah-rah and all this kind of stuff, but you get to the mental toughness mm-hmm. and the grind of it. The endurance is lacking. And something you've always had with your program mm-hmm. there, there's a toughness, a grittiness, and endurance there. It wasn't all just this phony enthusiasm. Yeah, it's about persistence and consistency, you know, consistency. It really is. I mean, that's exactly right. It's, you know, it, it's always interesting the first couple days of, you know, training camp, fall camp, everybody's, you know, running around. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, okay, let me see this seven days from now. Yeah. And, and in fact, we're even trying to pull our guys back a little bit, these first few practices, in terms of the amount of reps they get. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But just because I think guys go to, you know. More are, prone to injury, I would think, right? For sure. It's like you need to – they train so hard all during summer, but it's not football shape. Yeah, yeah. And so we got to get them into football shape, and then we can really go and grind. And so that's 
we're talking the same language. Yeah, the first couple days, everybody's excited. How about week three? It's like really we're doing this again. So. Not as much dancing in pre in, no uh, pre practice. Yeah. So, so, coach, obviously, there's a lot of fascination about quarterbacks. And last year, we talked about recruiting quarterbacks and things that you look for. This year, we want to talk about developing a quarterback. Um, when you get the quarterback on campus, what's kind of the process to get them ready to eventually be a starter in the face of the program? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no real secrets, and so much of it is on them to just get in that film room, get in that meeting room, and really just becoming a chalkboard expert to start with. You know, I mean, you have no chance on that field when the bullets start flying unless you're like a chalkboard expert. When that thing is slowed down and you can talk about it because there's no time to talk about anything when the bullets are flying. And the nice thing about it is, is we have some young quarterbacks in there and they have the perfect role model on how this is done in Jake Browning because he has never flinched or wavered from one second that he arrived on that campus in terms of how he prepares. If he's, <laughs> if he's not in class, he is in that building somewhere doing something for football. Is, and there, is there a different way that, that you have to teach these guys, though, in terms of – talk about the, the board. A lot of teams now in the NFL, it's, everything's just – through the iPad and everything, like even the install and stuff, they're not really right. putting these guys on the board as much. Do you do it differently by the by the player, or do you just have your way of doing it? Well, we just really have this strong belief. Like, I, I'm not an iPad computer fan for yeah. those type of things. I believe writing crystallizes thinking, and I think guys have to write things out and draw them out, and I think you learn better that way. When I'm talking about – now, you – the computers, the iPad, I mean, those to me are to review. watch tape and all those that. Those are, yeah, 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 and yeah. review sessions. Yeah. But to learn, you need to get the grease pens out, and you need to spend hours, and then let me ask you about this and draw this, and you chalkboard expert. I love it. So it's so funny because you talk about the chalkboard, and we found that guys are having a tougher time when we get them and ask them to go on the board. They can't – they can talk about their one position, but they can't give me the big puzzle. Um, are there things that you can do to help your players kind of understand the big picture thing? Is that something that's on the coach to teach them the bigger picture, to encourage them to learn more than just what their responsibility is? You know, I, I think the really super big-time elite players probably understand the bigger picture. I think in certain positions you really need to understand the bigger positions, and I think there's certain positions that you can operate in a very narrow world and still be pretty pretty darn good. I think you know the best of the best are going to want to see it all. They want the detail, the minutia. They also want the big picture. We talk about leadership, and I think maybe even from a responsibility standpoint, the closer you get to the middle of the field, the more that matters. So you talk about a quarterback, a center, a middle linebacker, a safety, being able to know everything yeah. that's going on. How about note-taking, Coach? You, you get a freshman in there. Some of these guys, they've never taken a note in their life, and all of a sudden they get thrown into a meeting mm -hmm. room. And that Most time I hear about guys don't even bring a, a pen and paper right. in there. How do you instruct guys just on the proper way to even yeah. take notes? I think that's on us as coaches to teach them how to do that and then develop the mental toughness to to just grind and just to I mean I I learned we could talk about we probably don't have time for this but way back when I started my coaching career I was a, a gopher for the 49ers and it was when they were in their heyday and Joe Montana and Jerry Rice and all those guys were there and Joe Montana I think had already been this MVP of the Super Bowl a couple times and so it's day one of camp Mike Holmgren's the coordinator and I'm watching them take notes and I'm thinking 
what is he doing? Does he is this a new offense? Does he? <laughs> and it was the most aha I you know it's I like that's it. what the great ones do. It doesn't matter if it's year ten. You the best note taker we have in the quarterback room is Jake Browning, not the freshman. Like he <laughs> knows how to do that, and so coaches need to teach that. I love it. I heard once somebody said to me that if it's if it if it matters, you'll write it down. Yeah. No you, you're telling me, and we have guys in the combine all the time when you bring them into the room, and we they're going to visit with team after team after team. They don't bring a notebook or a pen. Yeah, like You anything. can take at least one thing from each right. one of these rooms yeah. and you can learn something. It yeah. blows me away. I just think it hasn't been taught. Yeah, and the, these guys, you know, the, the really special ones figure it out early, and then most that can hang around long enough – they're going to figure it out or they're not going to hang around long enough. Well, there you go. Well, I'll tell you what, we enjoy our chat with you. Always. Thanks so much for giving us All right, some time. Guys. Wish you the best of luck this fall, Coach. Appreciate you guys. All right, here with USC head coach Clay Helton. Coach, how's it going? Doing great. Doing great. Football season here. Oh, it's That's great. That's the best time it? of year, isn't it? Oh, it's fun. I know you're probably ready for this this to be over with, get back on the grass here and get going. But uh, before we get to the football off season, you get a chance yeah. to get away. Are we, are we talking beach? Are we talking lake? Are we talking <laughs> mountains? What, what are we doing here? I, I, I tell you what was the most special for me is uh, – my two of my three kids are now in college and to have them come back and us be under the same roof for a week uh we went to the north shore of oahu and uh and and, uh to have just your children around you all three of them at the same time i forgot how special that is so i was a happy daddy last week uh, and then kissed them all goodbye and and now start starting work again here we go now see you're gonna make you get me sentimental because my i have four and my oldest is going into junior year we're getting ready to start looking at colleges Coach, oh, I'm already thinking about that. I, I'm going to tell you, you, oh. you, you make sure you make the most every second. Don't yeah, blink. no kidding. It's going too fast here. Uh, on this football team, though, this USC football team, uh, last year, you know, man, it's another year of accomplishments for you. In year two, you go ahead and get that Pac-12 title that had been elusive for a while now for the program. Didn't finish up on the note you wanted to there in the bowl game, but it still feels like this trend line for you, you're making progress every year. Yeah, we, we want consistency and stability at the highest level in competing for championships. And to win a Rose Bowl, now to win a Pac-12 title, we're heading in the right direction. And the expectations at SC are always going to be what they are, and we welcome them. It's not an obligation. It's an opportunity, and we expect to win championships at the national level. So that next step for us and that next progression is finding our way into the playoff. And uh, we came up short last year. I still wake up at 3 a.m. and it's 149 in Pullman, <laughs> Washington, and we're down three. Um, but with, with, with minus three linemen, yeah, I want to say you're uh, missing in that yeah, game. Yeah. So, so um, you know, we're, we're very close to that, but we've got a kind of a chip on our shoulder to, to be able to get to that level and get USC back to a national championship. And um, guys like Porter and Cam that you've had here today, they'll be the reason that that happens. Impressive, guys. And, and to that to that end, this defense, depth-wise, yeah. at least for me looking at it from yeah. the outside, looks like this is probably the deepest group you've had. You've been around this program mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah. It's been a long time mm-hmm. since you guys are two and sometimes three yeah. or more deep at some of these spots. Yeah, Porter and Cam are an example of what our defense is right now. You know, I could have brought Marvell Tell here, Biggie yeah. Marshall here, um, Jane A. Harris, John Houston, guys that just have played a lot of football for us for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they bring great leadership and great talent and, and great experience. And um, we're going to need that uh, because 
when you're anytime you're dealing with grooming a young quarterback, um, you need your defense to play well and your offensive line and running game to go. Um, and that defense early on for us in that early part of the season will have to carry the load. We talk about the quarterback position. Last year we asked everybody that rolled through here about what you're looking for when you're recruiting a quarterback mm-hmm. and what, what traits you're, you're trying mm-hmm. to identify. This year spinning it forward a little bit, and it's, it's perfect in your situation here mm-hmm. for the developmental plan when a guy gets on campus, mm-hmm. not just identifying yeah. the talent, being able to develop it. Mm-hmm. So do you have kind of just from all your years as a quarterback mm-hmm. coach, is there a plan in place that you've just kind of you know maneuvered through throughout the years and said this is kind of how we go through this process? Yeah, you know, one, we recruit to the position, which is, I think, extremely important. We have a great system in place, um, and we recruit to the position where we know we're going to bring quarterbacks in that can throw the ball. Um, now, we've – deviated a little bit from the ability from you look at these quarterbacks and they're athletic like Sam was to be able to create not to say they're running quarterbacks but their ability to create in the pocket um, is something that we've added to the piece of the puzzle and when I think of a Matt Fink and I think of a Jack Sears I think of a JT Daniels their ability to do that is extremely important Um, we'll look at you know who can move the offense. That's the biggest thing for me. Decision-making, timing, accuracy, and the ball moves. Um, And the guy that can do that the best is going to walk out there and Mm -hmm. and do it in the UNLV game. Um, It's not what your age is. None of these guys have any of the experience, uh, (laughs) with the exception of Matt, and very limited uh, in games. So um, it's going to be very important to see, you know, who moves the ball the best for our offense within our system, and uh, that guy will go out there. One of the biggest challenges of the quarterback position is anytime you, you go through some of that adversity and figuring mm-hmm. out how they're going to handle that. Yeah. How do you create in camp mm-hmm. some adversity for these young guys? Yeah, definitely. You always want to see, and this is where I thought Sam was uh, the best I had ever seen uh, at it. Um, you always want that guy that's like the great pitcher or the great golfer. He makes that one swing, and whether it was good or bad, he's moved on to the next yeah. play. And with 18 to 21-year-olds, there's no falseness. They cannot hide their body <laughs> language whatsoever. Um, and, and if anybody did, Sam was probably probably the best at it Um, but but that ability to have a bad play and move on to the next play rather than two three some guys go go some guys go in a tank for a quarter Mm -hmm. a game but the ability to be in a practice and say you know what I made it a mistake screw it Mm -hmm. I'm going to learn from it and move on to that next play is is a quality that all great quarterbacks have Um, they're almost fearless they almost have no conscience no question (laughs) Uh, and and um their ability to have that short-term memory and move on to the next play is, is very important. And, and thank goodness you can tell it with young people. you got all these veterans on defense. you got some, some youth on offense. you got mm-hmm. a lot of experience coming back on that offensive yep. line. Mm-hmm. But outside of wide receiver, I mean, you guys, every it seems like every year, every other year, you're pumping out more and more wideouts. Yeah. you got two power forwards out yeah. there this year with Pittman and Vaughn. So. Yeah, definitely. And, and here's their time. I think of in years past, it's my ninth year at SC, and I think of, oh, God, what happens when Woody leaves? So <laughs> there's Marquise. Another one. There's Marquise. Martin Lee leaves. There's Nelson Aguilar, Juju Smith, Deontay Burnett. And it it was great to see Mike and Tyler come on at the end of the season. Um, Tyler really established himself as that number two guy, has a chance to be that that premier wideout this Mm -hmm. year. And Michael Pittman, gosh almighty, you're talking about a six-foot, four-and-a-half, 217-pound grown man. Coach, I noticed him covering kicks when he was like a freshman, I I think, out there. Because I remember just watching, who is this guy? Is a freshman. And then I looked at his name and I thought, oh, okay, no. 
rings a bell a little bit uh, there. He, he goes out in the Pac-12 championship games, has 170 yards worth of catches, and then about 90 yards in the in the bowl game with a broke thumb. And just he's an amazing talent, and it's his time. Mm-hmm. He's had two really good years of building himself into this player, and I'm really excited to see what he does in his third year. How about some of these young guys? Give me uh, some in offense and defense, Ooh. some names maybe folks aren't familiar with that you think jump on the scene this yeah, year. Yeah, I'm really excited, um, a, again, to stay in the wideout position to see how Valus Jones comes on board. Um, he the can two, go. He's got some oh juice. Oh, my goodness, yeah. he can fly. Um, and then the two rookies have been really impressive this summer in Amon Ross St. Brown and Devin Williams. I'm looking to see them in camp and what they bring to the table because their physical and mental maturity is unique. I mean, they, they, they look like they've been on campus for two years already. <laughs> so I'm looking to see how the speed of the game uh, reacts, but I, I expect big things from those two guys too. You stick, do you kind of follow what Pete's old format was with the young kids first <laughs> for early in camp just yeah. – Throw no. them in there and let's find yeah. out what we got. Yeah, we've held to that tradition. Is mm-hmm. they all step in the first string huddle and <laughs> you know we we put Robert Woods out there. He stepped in that first string huddle. He never came out. Uh, Adore Jackson was the same way. And, I remember coming there the year with Marquise and I had heard about this kid from Sarah High yeah. School that was going to be this great safety. Yeah, and I was out there for one of their first <laughs> practices that year. He had full extension laid out yeah. and made a catch. I said, uh, I don't think he's playing one, safety. One of the great stories. I mean, he he came to us and we all thought he was in man. Guy's going to be a first-round draft pick defensive back. Probably, was, probably still have been. could have been. But he came to us with a passion about, Coach, can I just have four days to show you that I'm a wide receiver? It didn't take four days. It took four plays. <laughs> <laughs> he was just – you're like, yeah, you're right, Marcus. Marcus, you can, you can go play that anytime you want. That's a wrap. How yeah. about give me a quick before you run here, give me some uh, a, a young name or two on the defensive side of the ball. Here. <laughs> um, you, you know, we, we had the ability to sign um, – two young corners that I think uh, are going to really transition into great players and and that's um, Elijah Griffin and Isaac Taylor Stewart that mm-hmm. I think are going to be dynamic and then a, a really tremendous safety in Talanoa Hafanga okay. from Oregon? Yeah, Oregon? Yeah, yeah. yeah, one of the premier athletes in the country um, and, and Chase Williams who can he's the one guy that could play all three he could play corner safety or nickel so that DB, young DB group really stood out to me um, in summer workouts so I look forward to seeing where they're well, I'm excited for you. This is going to be a fun, fun season here. UNLV at home, and then, you know, look, focus on UNLV. Take care of UNLV. <laughs> Don't look past UNLV. But then it gets kind of interesting yeah. at Stanford, at Texas. Not an easy slate there for the no, Trojans. No, it's 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 a lot of fun. I mean, that's part of being at SC. We're always going to play nine, you know, conference games, and then we're going to play some of the best teams in the country. And Notre Dame and Texas is going to be right there. The one thing it does allow you to do is when you do your job. There's no question what your resume is and should you be in the playoffs. So we, we welcome that opportunity. One more question. I was yeah. going to ask this. forgot about this. I love this new the new redshirt rule. Oh, it's from a from a from a strategy standpoint, you can really think map this thing out a little bit to get all, these guys in. It, it just helps everybody. It, it helps the development of a young player. It helps the health of your football team, um, especially as you get into November. You can have some injuries that all of a sudden, where a guy, you know, you know, the college game oh, yeah. compared to the NFL game, it's 80 plays in college compared to 53 minimum, plays. Minimum. <laughs> yeah, compared to 53 plays in the yeah. NFL. Well, those extra plays on on a body on a Cam Smith or a Porter Gustin, and it's at the end of the game where you could have been having a young kid in there. They're having to continue to go because of injuries just hurts them. No and, and so to be able to develop young people, man, I think it's a great decision by the NCAA and one that's going to help our game. Well, I appreciate you taking some time, man. We yeah. wish you and the Trojans the best of luck this fall. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Arizona State head coach Herm Edwards. Coach, how you doing? 
I'm well. How you doing? I'm doing great. You man. holding up okay? I, we're powering through. You know, I know you guys. TV is a lot of work. You know, yeah, this is this... yeah. But the problem with TV, it's like one minute and then you wait ten minutes. You guys really got to work this week. <laughs> my wife That's was... what I enjoy. You guys running around and nervous. So I gotta get the. You know. My wife today was like, "You got to really work, do a you work really gotta day. Work today. Yeah. You got to really day. work like eight hours." <laughs> well, I told you I had a story for you uh, off off camera here. When I when I was out between the Cleveland Browns and the and the Eagles, I came and did some stuff at ESPN. And I was going to go – they had me going outside the lines. Uh, Bob Lee, and you you were there, and you introduced yourself to me. And I learned at that point in time, which I did not know, about your scouting background. Everybody knows about you with your coaching background. But we sat there and chopped it up about the scouting background. I don't know if people know that side of you, Coach. Well, I came in the league as a scout and was fortunate enough to be around a great man. He's passed away named Whitey Duvall and Mark Hatley. Yep. And uh, I cut my teeth in scouting and scouted for about two years and – Got in the car and drove out for about a month and a half and <laughs> went to eight states and went to every school imaginable. And it's kind of ironic because I was just uh, up at Tahoe with Coach Payton, and he was working at in college at um, – He was at San Diego State. But no, he was in, in, uh, in Illinois okay. at a little small Division II school, and I came through there, right? So it's like kind of ironic when you think about my scouting tree. I go, you know, I met a lot of these guys when they were young coaches and coach at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. He was that in Illinois at another little school, and he had a running back, and I had visited his campus. So it's kind of ironic because, you know, football connects a lot of people in a lot of different ways. It's been great. No question. But how about your scouting background uh, in, in terms of helping you now in this role, with this job? Is it You, you well, carry over a little bit of that in terms of evaluating the high school kids? I know it's a different a different level. It, it, it's different, but um, I think what people don't realize is when you get in the world of television, um, and, and my world was real simple, you have to evaluate college players, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not, because that's the lifeblood of the NFL. No question. And so when you flip it, and you ask yourself, well, what about college? Well, I visited a lot of college campuses when I was ESPN. Now, I was fortunate enough to coach Under Armour game. So I got the kids in high school before some of them became freshmen in college. Two of the players are on my team now. Cabrillo, our center, mm-hmm. and Nikhil Henry. Jeez. So I had them in the All-Star game at the Under Armour game. <laughs> so <laughs> It all came around. It all comes around, man. It all comes around. <laughs> all right, before we get into some more football stuff, I do want to play a little something here because I went down to Elite 11, get a chance mm. to watch those top college quarterbacks yeah. there. Your quarterback was there, had a chance to visit with him, and what a, what a great dude. Uh, and I put him on the spot, though, because I said, everybody does kind of a Coach Edwards impression here. Oh, boy. So I, I think we can play it for you. He's got it here. Um, impression of Coach Herm. Uh, it's probably be while we're at practice, he walks around, he starts – doing this face, just walking like this. He goes, it's been an hour and a half. I got to get off my feet. We out of here. We gone. We out of here. How would you grade it? I think well, that's, that's pretty solid. Good. He, and I tell the players, I told them, and my rule is a two-hour rule. I said, my feet hurt after two hours. I said, if we're practicing long two hours, man, we're practicing way too long. My, my son is a freshman in high school coach, but they haven't even started fall camp yet. Right. They're out there for three and a half hours. Doing what? It, that's my question. I think it's a question for any athlete. I mean, and, and look, I've always done things through an athlete's eyes because yeah. I was an athlete. I ask questions to athletes all the time, constantly peppering them questions. And practice to me has to be efficient with chaos involved in it mm-hmm. because the game of football is played very quickly. It's a four-second play, and you're going again, mm-hmm. okay? How do you function and those are the practices that, to me, really create what's going to happen in the game. 
creating chaos and getting them to be able to function within that And how chaos. coaches in orderly have to script the practice and have to be very organized because I own the whistle. Mm -hmm. And when that clock changes, I blow the whistle and say, we're going to period two, guys, and we're going. Mm -hmm. And that, if that coach is not organized in his practice script, he's behind. And then that's the fault of the coach, not the players. So there's pressure on both parties. And I just think when you create that, it's kind of ironic because I can remember the first week when we were in spring and we are practicing, the third day the players, I called them up, they said, coach we're done and i said yeah we're done yeah. we want to practice more so you get no more yeah make it's, it count while you're out it's there it's something about that mm -hmm. that they wanted more but they understood well we're done yeah you're done and i've always told players this as well as coaches every time we step on the field that's our resume mm -hmm. you write your resume so it's, you better be able to go it, it, it's not like well no it's your resume it's 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 how you prepare to play this game of football because you prepare more than you play you play once a week we went through spring ball we're going to practice another month here all that practice time we haven't even played the game yet mm -hmm. that will define your resume that's going to define what type of player you are individually and collectively what we are as a football team I was reading, I was telling a couple of these coaches here, I read a book on leadership this summer. Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated by the leadership topic. I know you're, you're big into it as well. And this quote just jumped out to me. It said, enthusiasm is common, endurance is rare. Mm -hmm. So being able to maintain that, to have to me that's exactly what you're speaking to yes. here. This is yes. a long, enduring season. We can rah-rah it up right now, but we got to be able to last through this whole year. Well, it's like, you know, people say, how, how are you going to be when you run out of the tunnel? I'm going to go, I'm really calm. Yeah. The work's done. There's, there's three hours of football getting ready to be played. I can't waste it all running out of the tunnel. <laughs> I said, what are you doing? Now what? Oh, we got to play. What do I do? Right? So I just think you got to be careful of that. I mean, I, I, I get emotion. Of fans are emotionally driven, and I get all that. But I just think there's a process of there's spurts of emotion. But emotion doesn't win games. Nope. Execution does. Mm -hmm. And when you're under pressure, how do you react? Those are the things that, that, that complicate the game. If we could just play with emotion, that'd be great. But then the game would last for about five minutes because everybody would be tuckered out, right? It doesn't how, work that way. How has the, how has the communication been with you, uh, even with the defensive side of the ball, working with those guys, in terms of dealing with the breakneck pace you're going to see with some of these teams? I know well, you've got to streamline communication now like never before. You do. And, and you know, I've, I've got a veteran coach in Danny Gonzalez from San Diego. I think he's going to be a marvelous football coach. So this is the Rocky Long defense in the 3-3-5. Like oh, yeah, three, three, They're five. coming from everywhere. And – yeah, you're right. And, and then what it allows you to do, and the more I studied it, um, is when I was even in, you know, in, on television, I said, you know, what I like about that defense is this, because of college football, especially college football, you never have to change personnel. Mm -hmm. They can go fast. You've got your 11 guys on the field because you've got five defenders in the back end. Mm -hmm. How you use them now all of a sudden creates a problem for offense because they're looking at you going, who's coming in the box? What safeties rotate? Because you got three safeties. You got it. We got the one guy Tillman. Oh, I love that. We That's got a Pat. Tillman guy. Yeah. So we got a Tillman guy. We got a we got a Ranger, a uh, field safety, and a you know and a, and a and a tight safety. And then we got two corners. Mm -hmm. Well, all those guys have to have the ability to cover. We got th two safeties that can come down in the box, or can blitz. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's kind of similar a little bit of how we lose John Lynch when I was in Tampa. Mm -hmm. You know, we could bring John in the box. We could send him in coverage. So it's unique kind of a defense, and you never have to change personnel, which is good. I love that. Who is, is the architect of that? I know Rocky gets a lot of credit. Does it go beyond Rocky? Uh, yeah, it probably goes I know it from Rocky, and, and that's where Danny cut his teeth. You know, Danny um, played in that system. Mm -hmm. 
I always said, you know, it was Brian Erlacher and then it was Danny Gonzalez. <laughs> or it was Danny Gonzalez and Brian Erlacher or whatever, whatever it was. Right? I was but it was like, oh, boy. And the player said, really? I said, oh, yeah. He, you know, he set the tone for Brian Erlacher. And I just saw Brian up in Tahoe, so we laughed about Full it. Full head of hair, by the way. Oh, yeah. And I told him, I said, hey, man, you've been in town. I said, you come in and visit me yet. Yeah. He goes, Coach, I said, don't stop. Don't say, Coach, come visit. I said, we're running your defense, man. We brag about you all the time. Come on over there and show the players, man. It used to be the Lobo, right? They call it the Lobo yeah, spot. They yeah, so we, we, you know, they in San Diego, they call it the Aztec. Yep. And I said, well, you know, obviously we're going to change the name for Pat Tillman. Anytime you can name a defense or a position on defense after Pat Tillman, um, that's a tribute to what he meant uh, to, to to Arizona State, to football. Just, and I told the players this, you know, and I, and I tell people all the time, you know, I said, well, out of the tunnel, I said, there's a statue of Pat Tillman, and I told the players this, and I told the fans this, you better play with his emotion. Because mm-hmm. if you can't play with his emotion, you can't play here. You can't, you, you're not going to address. Mm-hmm. That way we can live with the outcome. Good. Because when you pass that man and you pass that, that statue, it's like, okay. Uh, you know, this is what we got to do. And so I think that's important. That's phenomenal. How about your uh, kind of mentors through this process, Coach? Always never can learn too much, always looking to grow, looking to learn. With this transition for you going yeah. to the college game, who has kind of served in that role for well, you? Well, I've, I've, I've talked I've – re- I've reached out to a bunch of them, and I don't want to mention them all, but yeah. it's kind of funny. This week I was with Coach Local, Marcy. Yeah. Um, his son is on our staff, and they were in Carmel. I was at home. They came over. We played golf. And I didn't even play. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't want to play. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to ride with Coach Slocum oh, and pepper awesome. him with questions. Because I can remember when I was a scout going to Texas A&M when he's head coach. Oh, yeah. And so we have a lot of things. We have a lot of people in common that we know. And so just visiting him about his program and some of the things he thought about that he would do different. Interesting. And it was as interesting. And so as we continue to talk, just the knowledge you gain from guys like that um, is unbelievable. So it's, it's, I've been very fortunate to be around a bunch of guys with a lot of knowledge. And guys calling me, too. I've had a lot of coaches call me, say, Coach, you need something. And I've had guys, current guys here um, that have called. Um, you know, so it's been good because I know most of these guys. I visited. You know campuses. everybody, Coach. Yeah, that's the problem. I, I kind of <laughs> do. Kind of, You sound like my daughter now, you know, when <laughs> – when she was, when they were six and seven, and you know, working for the worldwide leader, you, you coach the Under Armour game, yeah. and you go down to Disney, you know, and so one little one, Vivian, at about five years old, we're walking through the park, and people are stopping, and I'm taking pictures with people, and so you know, she's five, she's, I'm just daddy, you know, yeah. she's like she's this is my daddy, you know, she doesn't really know anything, and it's good because I never, t- I don't tell to my kids about, it, you know, no, yeah, and so finally she about. 30 minutes into this deal, she finally, she grabs my leg, and she says, she's pulling my pants, she says, Daddy, Daddy. I said, yeah, honey. She says, you have a lot of friends. <laughs> I, I love at, that. I looked at her, I said, Vivian, I said, you're right. I love Daddy that. Daddy has a lot of friends. And it's kind of ironic, you know, now she's 11, she's 11 years old, and yeah. she says, oh, Daddy. She says, I know why you have a lot of friends now. And I said, okay, Vivian. Yeah. <laughs> she gets yeah, it now. She gets it now. I love it. It's all good. That's a great way to end it here, Coach. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, thanks for being good to me when I was kind of making that switch over oh, in the broadcast. I'll never forget what you you've did You've done a great job, day. my friend. I watch you. And, um, you know, I, I think your ability to, to make it and simplify it. Because football can be complicated, but it's really a simple game. Uh, the athleticism of athletes and how they fit uh, at a position – uh, can be complicated. You make it simple without being negative. 
I appreciate it. You know, that. it's easy to be negative. You know, it's we live in a world where it's easy to say, well, he can't do that. No, it's not as they can't do that. It's more of this is what he can do. And that was Ozzy. That was yeah. Ozzy's influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that, don't tell me he's sitting in the draft room telling me everything this guy can't do. Uh, I used to say that. What as a can coach. he do? Because it's our job to what he can do. Let's, let's enhance that. That's why it's called team, man. I love it. Done a marvelous Thank job, you man. so much, God Coach. You, I baby. appreciate you. Appreciate Root you. for you this year. Thank you. All right, joined by UCLA head coach Chip Kelly. Coach, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Just my favorite day of the year. Yeah, you love media day, oh, huh? My Big God. fan. It's it's uh it's entertaining. Well, we're gonna take you in a different direction here because we kind of talk football. We're gonna actually talk football. I'm not gonna ask you too much about uh, this UCLA team, which I'm excited to see in the fall. But I want to get some some big picture stuff. Uh, with you. T- talking about the quarterback position, mm-hmm. last year, uh, Buck and myself, we had a chance to ask all these guys that came through there. It was interesting to get the answers of just in the recruiting process what you were looking at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. But now we've kind of advanced it a little bit and say, okay, now let's the kid gets on campus. You've had a great track record of this and being able to develop these guys. What is the plan? Is there a generic plan that you use for any quarterback that comes through? Or you know, take us through that process once he's actually on the campus. Well, I think you have to tweak it a little bit depending on who they are and what their skill set is coming in because you've got kids that come in from varying backgrounds. So some kids that are have been coached and have had a, their own personal quarterback coach for a long time and um, you know have a good understanding of things. And then there's other kids that they've got a world of upside and you took them because of their potential, but they're, they're raw. You know, I, I you know I think they, they talked about Sam Darnold being a little bit like that coming out where he he was a linebacker, he was a basketball player, and he was all, and then they they finally got him to play. You know, he was a quarterback, but now be a quarterback full time, where other quarterbacks have been doing that for a long time. So I, I think you got to take everybody on an individual basis, but um, trying to get them to understand, I think the biggest transition from a quarterback development is just the mental aspect of things, is mm-hmm. how to process things quickly and make decisions in real time how do you deal with them in terms of the learning um just in terms of maybe teaching these kids giving Mm -hmm. them some help in in terms of note-taking different things like that to get them prepared on that side of it yeah i think it's in how you present it you know so we spend a lot of time on our preparation for what our meetings are like and how we're going to install things with them so that um you know are there any bridges or gaps or hacks that can help you but um we teach concepts and then we drill down to the individual plays within the concepts, but want them to understand that why we're running it. I think when they get the, the, the why we're running something um, more than how we're running it, I think is, is the important part. This is to attack this. So when they're in this, this is how we react to it. So I think, you know, kind of giving them a general overall explanation, not just here's the name of the play and here's your progression and just memorize it. Because um, the millennials nowadays can retain a ton of information. I think their issue with millennials nowadays is retrieval mm-hmm. um, because they've learned everything by, well, I'll just Google it. Yeah, you know, it's in right the, there. <laughs> in, or in the old days, in, in, if, if you're one of you're, you're one of two people in this world from a technology standpoint, if you were born after 1990, you're a you're a, a technology person. If you were born before 1990, you're a technology immigrant. And so they don't know how to memorize a phone number. When we were growing up, you had to memorize everybody's phone number. If you want to call somebody, you memorize it. Yeah. Now you just start your phone. I don't know my, my, my kid's phone number. Yeah, what's their phone number? It's, yeah. in, my phone, it's in my phone is their name. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. So they, they struggle, I think, from a retrieval standpoint. So you have to spend time on teaching them how to retrieve things because it's been so easy for them. Because, um, But on the flip side, if... Drake comes out with a new song. Two days later, they know every single word and yeah. can spit it back to you. And you're just, how did you memorize that? You know what <laughs> I mean? So, um, I think it's just how you teach it and how you approach it. Now, when you uh, when you look at 
your time off. I was mm-hmm. doing. I was actually calling a game. Uh, it was New Mexico, New Mexico State, and what New Mexico? I'm, the week leading up to it, I don't know why I hadn't paid attention to what they've been doing at New yeah. Mexico. Freaking unbelievable what they've done. It's amazing from the gun. And then during that week, talked to the coaching staff, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, Chip had had just rolled through there." So I'm fascinated to know what you were studying during your time uh, away. I was studying of. How did New Mexico lead the nation in rushing? No question. Like, what is Bob doing? Yeah. You know, so it, it was fun. I, I spent time there. I went to A&M to see Kevin Sumlin. Um, I went to Maryland to see DJ Durkin. I went to Virginia to see Bronco. I spent Jeez. a couple days with uh, Coach Cutcliffe at Duke. Um, I went to the Naval Academy to see Ken. So I was selective in terms of where I went, but there was always a reason. So I wanted to see why they ran the ball as well as they ran the ball and how they were so explosive in the run game at New Mexico and then you know, there, it, there was different things everywhere I went, but it was just, it was kind of fun. You know, you get to go around and kind of, you know, you, you had no motive. I wasn't trying to play them. I wasn't trying to get anything mm-hmm. from them. They were a lot more open and receptive, and, and, and I really enjoyed it. The, uh, I got to get you connected with my guy at App State, by the way, Scott Satterfield. I Talk remember Scott Satterfield. I, don't not, I did well. not like Scott Satterfield. Did you play, were you, did you play him when he was at App State? I was in 1994, and Scott Satterfield. That's Dexter Coakley Dexter and all Coakley that crew. And Matt Stevens. Yes. We lost in overtime. I did not know that. New Hampshire, he came up, but it was third and nine. And Scott Satterfield scrambled for first down. If we sacked him, the game was over. And then they scored. Then we played him in overtime, and then they scored on the first play of overtime. And then our first play of overtime, Lima Clinton, who played fullback for us and played in the NFL, had like a 14-yard run to inside the 10-yard line and then got hit and fumbled, and and it was over. So it was one of those where it's good recall. It's hit, balls on the ground, and you're like, season's over right now. It's like, what just happened? (laughs) And it still goes back to Scott Satterfield. Tell him. He, he, scrambled tell on, him. he scrambled on third down. I'm so pissed about it. Yeah, I'm going to tell him. I talked to him this morning. Yeah. It, was, it was interesting. I was asking him who he had been watching, who he had been studying. He actually said the Eagles. He'd been spending yeah. a lot of time studying the Eagles. A lot of that stuff traces back to what you did there. Mm-hmm. Anybody else with McVay? Has there been any fascination with what yeah. Sean did? I spent some time with Sean this, uh, since I got here because obviously he's with in, in L.A. So right there. We've, we've gone to dinner a few times and talked football, and he's, he's done a hell of a job. I think how he's developed Jared. You know, you see Jared from one year to the next. You're like, wow, and, and what's the – you know, obviously Jared matured, the difference between being a year one quarterback in the NFL to year two, but I think the way Sean coaches and, and puts him in such good situations, it's really impressive to watch. How frustrating is it for you? I, and I'm not naming any of those guys you watch, but I go to high school practices or, and I'll go to different college practices, NFL practices. The inefficiency makes me want to pull my hair out. I can't imagine yeah. what it does to you just uh, seeing it's hard. how some of this gets operated. It's hard sometimes. Run a play, sit around, talk five minutes, run another they, play. It's me crazy. I went to. I used to go to the Patriots all the time when I was at New Hampshire, mm-hmm. and Coach Parcells was the head coach, and Al Grow was the defensive coordinator, and Al was coaching the linebackers and was explaining something to him. And Bill looks over at me and he goes, "Hey, Chip, how long's Al been talking to him?" And I'm I'm an assistant at New Hampshire, and I'm like, I'm like I didn't know he remembered my name, and I was like, "Huh?" Oh, and he goes, "How long has he been talking to him?" And I go, oh, "Like two, three minutes." And Bill ripped Al Grow. He goes, hey, Al, what time are meetings? And he goes, they're at 7.30 tonight. He goes, then don't have one on the field. Get those guys moving. And then Al Grow looks at me, and I'm like, sorry. Like, I didn't mean it. <laughs> you outed him. But I, one of the things you learned from Coach Parcells is that you better be efficient. And when you're on the field, you're on the field to practice. You're not on the field to talk. And when you watch some of these guys, all they want to do is talk. Yeah. And of, it's, you do it in the meeting room. One of my favorite things you did up at Oregon I had never seen it before, and maybe you got it. I don't know where you got it from, but just even like Pat and Go, when you guys are going through Pat and Go, on the way back to the line, you had like GA set up there, and you were getting a little release drill for the wide receivers as yeah. they were getting back into the line. Where do you come up with this stuff? We're just trying to be efficient. So we do we do Pat and Go on one side. We do a curl route on the other side, mm-hmm. um, and then they got to get releases on both sides. And then when they go behind the quarterback, 
they've got to learn how to make a 45-degree cut with a ball in their hand off the running back. So how do you make that drill more efficient? It's a three-minute drill, but when it turns into just I jog half speed with my gloves hanging off my face mask and the quarterback's not taking a drop and lobbing them up, it's like, why are we practicing if that's what we're going to do? So we just, how do we take the same drill and make it as quickly and as efficient as possible um, in, in that's all we're trying to do. I loved it. Has there been other other areas that you kind of had collected some different thoughts of being able to – how fun is that for you to be able to implement that and what you've been it's, working it's on? It's been fun, you know, and just how do we – our whole premise is, we're, you know, we're trying to prepare our guys to have as much energy and juice as they can be on Saturday when we play and how efficient are we and did we give them enough, you know, so when the game – there's a result in the game, is it did, did they fail or did we fail them, you know, and did we not prepare them in the right way and so – what situations occur in the game, and are we making sure that they see those from a from a training standpoint? I know we've got some mutual friends. One of which is is John Gordon, who does a great job on the on the leadership front. And another uh, leadership book I was reading this summer, I wrote down some of this stuff because I want to get your thoughts on it here. Uh, just this quote stuck out to me: "Enthusiasm is common, endurance is rare." And I think that's that to me is a lot about college. Well, there's a lot of rah rah out there, mm-hmm. coach. But then in terms of the grind of the season and being able to endure, mm-hmm. how do you how do you get your team ready for that kind of long haul? Here? No, I, I think that's a great statement, and and I think it's about preparing on a daily basis. And there's too much, I think, in my opinion, when you watch all those guys with their simulated dances on the kickoffs, and and that's all well and good. And I would watch it because I sat there in ESPN, and I'm like, wow, look at them. And then all of a sudden, the other team scores two touchdowns, and then. Then they score and they're down 21-7 and there's no one dancing on the kickoff. I'm like, I thought dancing on the kickoff was an important thing. Yeah. And then you go watch Nick Saban's team and there's not one guy moving and they're just staring at you like a Rottweiler on a fence waiting to like pounce on you. And there's no one dancing back and forth on the kickoff. They're just going, all right. Getting ready to smack somebody. They're getting ready to smack somebody. And I, I've always you know, kind of chuckled about it. You know, we celebrate better than everybody. I'm like, if you, I don't have enough time to practice how we're going to celebrate. You know, we got, we got red zone. We got third down. We got a lot of things we got to worry about, so. What are we going to see, just real quick here on this team this year? What are we going to see from this UCLA football team in terms of identity? What's yeah, the identity you're I, looking for? You know for? what? I, I don't know. Yeah. I truly don't know. We, yeah. We're so young. Um, we'll have 38 freshmen when we report next Friday. Wow. Uh, 29 scholarship kids. You know, we counted four back so from the year before because they were under. Um, and then eight or nine walk-ons that will fill in there. And um, you're going to see a lot of young faces. We only have eight seniors on the football team, so um, it, it's going to be a young team. You know, the guys that we have have, have practiced extremely hard and, um, you know, have done everything we've asked them to do. But there will be a lot of fresh faces that we didn't even practice with in the spring that are going to have to play just because of our numbers at certain positions. So it'll be fun. There will be a lot of guys running around. They'll play hard. <laughs> they could be running 100 yeah, miles an hour. They be running 100 miles an hour. <laughs> I love it. All right, hey, thank you so much for your time, Coach. Wish you the best of luck this season. All right, teach. Thanks, buddy. All right, Buck. Well, it's been a fun day here at Pac-12 Media Day. Last year, two days. This year, one. But I feel like we jammed it all in and we got it all done. Yeah, we did get it all in. We had a lot to talk about, a lot of ground to cover. But I think some fascinating conversations, particularly with the coaches, when it comes to developing quarterbacks. I think we all are fascinated by not only finding – but developing quarterbacks and seeing if we can make those guys elite playmakers at the position. Yeah, it's something uh, – I always feel like I learn something, take something away when I come to this event, and uh, it's valuable. We're both here just scribbling down notes while we're yep. doing these interviews and, and trying to learn and continue to grow uh, as football guys here. Uh, Buck, I, you know, we're not – we're not like some of these other podcasts at the uh, at the NFL Media Group. You know, we're not going to toot our own horn. We're not going to be kind of in your face and nope. patting each other on the back because there allegedly there's something out there where you can vote for you know your favorite podcast. And you know that's we're not going to do that. We're not going to ask people to get online and do that as some of these other podcasts are going to do because. That's just not who we it's are not as really people. A thing. But Sully, you can do it if you want. Right, right, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, 
Listeners, we do need your help, though. Uh, all, all kidding aside, uh, please go to www.podcastawards.com and nominate Move the Sticks in the sports category. Don't worry about the other podcasts. Just Move the Sticks. And simple and free to do. That's www.podcastawards.com. Click listener nominations now. Open up at the top of the page. Sign up. Go to the sports category and Ooh. nominate us. See, we're humble, that's, Buck. That's we, would never, we would never ask anybody that's to do all that. A, that's a lot of work. It's a lot streamline, of work. Streamline the process, all those clicks. We might not get a lot a of clicking. How many, how many login names does Hansus have? You think? Uh, oh, at least a 20. A ton. Yeah, easy. At least 20. Easy. But are you eligible to vote for this overseas? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, then they're going to win. Yep. Yeah. They do have big a big audience. We actually do have a, a large following. Not quite as big as, as like, they. I think they have a thousands of people in England true, alone. True, true story. <laughs> true story. Because I think I told you guys this last week, this follow-up. Um, so I went to, when I went to Orlando, went to Disney World. I had to wear an NFL Network shirt mm-hmm. for seven hours in the park there at Disney World. Nobody figured out who I was. So it was very, it was very humbling, Buck. You know, you think you're, <laughs> think you're, think you're a C-level celebrity, and then it turned out that nobody. It's not and I'm with my son. It nobody's, was kind of embarrassing. I'm with my son. So now my kids are sitting here thinking that, you know, Dad's been saying he's been on TV. We don't really know if that's true. <laughs> um, and then I, we go on this vacation on this cruise, and we're coming back from Montreal, and I come up to the customs line and hand up my passports, and the guy looks at my passport. He's wearing a rubber glove because I'm sure there's some germ things there, mm-hmm. takes a rubber glove off and looks at me, and I'm like, I don't, this might, I don't know what this means. He goes, huge fan of the, huge fan of the podcast. Yes. Oh, Customs. At so I felt like I got picked up again in front of my kids. Like I can walk around and have <laughs> my kids go. be proud of me again. Yeah, so, boy. Yeah, and he That's actually, uh, Officer Witten. Officer Witten, yes. throwing out a shout-out to Yes, DJ. Officer awesome. Witten, big shout-out to you. Because I was smuggling all kinds of Tweet stuff through there. Tweet at DJ, <laughs> are you related to Jason? <laughs> no. No. no, good dude, good dude. So, uh, anyways, that was a nice pick-me-up there, Buck. I needed that. I needed a little <laughs> <laughs> You needed a little boost? <laughs> I was down, down in the dumps funny. after Disney World. Uh, again, though, hey, if you can go and, and vote on that uh, that award thing, that'd be cool. But you know what? We're not about awards. We're not about honors. Mm-mm. We're about just doing the hard work. Nose of the Grindstone podcast. Yes. Uh, anyways, all right, that's going to do it for us today. We've got a video show coming up, though, next Tuesday, the first one of the year, uh, nfl.com slash video. You can find that. So we'll have lots of training camp goodies coming your way. Hey, look, there's our good friend Curtis Conway over there, Buck. Oh, look at Seaway. Uh, we got, all right, let's wrap this up. We're going to go say hi to our buddy uh, Curtis Conway here. That's going to do it for us here on Move the Sticks. Thank you guys for listening, downloading, telling a friend, leaving us a little review at Apple Podcasts. We do appreciate it. This has been the Move the Sticks podcast presented by Castrol Edge, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary.
Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 